Welcome to One Symphony, a podcast that explores classical music's relevance in our modern lives. I'm conductor Devin Patrick Hughes, and I'm here to share with you stories and conversations with musicians, composers, and artistic entrepreneurs that aim to unite us into one symphonic world. Tonu Korvitz is an Estonian composer whose music has been performed the world over. His works belong to the repertoire of the most important Estonian orchestras, choirs, and artists, and have been performed globally by groups such as the BBC Symphony Orchestra, the Frankfurt Radio Symphony Orchestra, the Britain Symphonia, the Adelaide Symphony Orchestra, Swedish Radio Choir, the Sixteen Choir, the Southern Chorale, and many more. As a talented and prolific creator, he has garnered numerous recognitions from Estonian state and cultural institutions. Tonu's recording, Moreland Elegies, was given the Estonian Music Award in the category of the Best Classical Album of the Year in 2017. In 2015, Tonu Korvitz became an honorary citizen of Clarksdale, Mississippi, for his music, which he created as a tribute to Clarksdale, the Delta, and the preservation of the blues. He is the composition professor at the Estonian Academy of Music and Theater. Tony, it's very exciting for me to talk to you and welcome to One Symphony. Uh, I just wanted to congratulate you and just recognize you for your amazing ability to write music that is new and unique, but also that is incredibly beautiful and introspective and historical. It's, it's bringing these two incredible worlds together. And I wanted just to start off asking you, I know some of your roots are in uh, the music of the blues, Miles Davis. Uh, and, and I wanted to start asking you maybe about some of your early influences, classical or non-classical, and then bringing that all the way to the composition Silent Songs, uh, where you actually use uh, the Miles Davis in a silent way uh, to create a, a bass clarinet and orchestra piece. Well, first, hello. It's nice to be here in your, in your podcast. My music has been influenced very much from um, another genres and other types of music. So I grew up listening to pop and rock music, which my parents uh, listened very much. I, I remember growing up um, the recordings of Motown and Bee Gees and this kind of um, things. Um, they were played every day here at my home and we had this old fashioned reel to reel player, which uh, sounded pretty cool. So it has influenced um, me very much. And uh, actually I'm very thankful for my background because, you know, I didn't study just classical music, but uh, uh, my heart was everywhere. And my, my favorite music actually lies in every every type of music and every every different genre so as you said I, I like Miles Davis very much well 
who wouldn't? And um, his legendary records, um, like Kind of Blue, and especially In a Silent Way, which is my favorite album of uh, him. So I think his approach and this kind of modal, melodic thinking has, has influenced me very much. And of course, another thing is color in music, which is very important to me. And um, when I say color, I don't mean just the timbre of an instrument. I mean, actually everything like a rhythm can be a pattern of, uh, of a color or not speaking about harmony, which has this kind of overtones, which create a certain uh, imaginative color. So this, this all is very important for me. I know your dad was an arranger of popular music, and you also did some of that very early in your career, which I think is an amazing way for a composer to kind of get their feet wet and, and become familiar with, of course, many different styles, but also the material, the parts, working with the musicians, etc. Can you talk about any kind of influences or suggestions or pushes your parents gave for you to go into music? Yes, my father, actually, he's still active and he's a totally self-made man. At some time in, in his childhood, he studied violin and actually that's pretty all. And, and, but he has been doing all kinds of arrangement and uh, orchestration all his life. So he's a, like a Quincy Jones of Estonia or so. <laughs> so of course, he has taught me very, very much. And uh, I think thanks to him also, I have uh, worked with very many pop and rock musicians here in Estonia. And I'm very thankful for this opportunity because, you know, this is a totally different experience. Sometimes uh, these musicians who are very original and talented, sometimes they, for example, can't reads a musical score, but it's, it's okay. They have another ability. They have maybe better memory for, thanks for this and, you know, more freedom maybe how, how to sing something or, or play something. So I have very many friends uh, among rock musicians too, and uh, we have a long history. And you performed, uh, did you perform at all? I know you played guitar and mandolin, and I assume you play some piano. Were you part of any performances when you were younger, or, or do, you, do you still play anything? Well, we, we all have been in a rock band in our youth. <laughs> I'm not the only one. Uh, but actually, mainly I played bass guitar. Oh, okay. And I studied it for a couple of years, and I still play it sometimes. And uh, it has helped me very much writing for um, 
double basses or or so. I, I know how it's tuned and <laughs> how how it how it is played. So yes, this is also important to to play another kind of instruments. And when I served in the army, I, I had to be there for two years. So I served in a military orchestra actually. So there I played tuba. So I have done wow, everything. Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> So I wanted to um, just speaking of kind of getting into the from the pop to the orchestral or the or the classical. I want to ask you about Tasase Malau, which is a piece, uh, which is, is a song that you kind of took from Velio Tormis, who is an esteemed, incredible Estonian composer like yourself, and it very much does have that electronic vibe, a, a radio head kind of vibe but at the same time it's part of this tradition which which i believe is called the singing revolution and it's this idea which is very similar to finland with the the work of sibelius basically using music and singing to express independence and to express artistic freedom not only artistic freedom but cultural freedom can you talk a little bit about that piece and how your music or how you think of music in terms of its revolutionary fervor Yes, first uh, I like Radiohead very much, so that's <laughs> that was a good remark. It's one of my favorite bands, and uh, I always wait for the new recordings. And Tom York is an incredible singer, and one of the best singers in the world to use his falsetto so <laughs> so good, so uh, in a, in a very sensitive way. I love this band. This piece, Tasa Ma Laul, or a song from a plane, in English. It's uh, based on a melody of uh, Velia Torbis. So actually it's the only thing which, um, which I had from his work. And I created a totally new background to this uh, piece. First, I played uh, myself Estonian string instrument, which is called Connell. In Finnish, it's Kantele. It's a kind of zither in Estonia. So it's a um, diatonic made from wood and steel strings instrument and you just hit this, uh, steel strings. It doesn't have a fretboard so it, it's tuned already. So I played this canal, this zither kind of instrument and uh, it gave this kind of nice shimmering to this uh, music. And I added also this kind of floating harmonies played by strings of uh, Tallinn Chamber Orchestra, which maybe creates a bit this kind of radiohead atmosphere to this song. So yeah, it, it was interesting. <laughs>
I'm from the orchestral world, and I know that you pretty much are, are both orchestral and choral. And I know in Estonia, there's this incredibly strong and rich tradition of, of choral tradition. And, and the music is highly regarded and not just for tradition, but history and, and culture and basically ancestry. Do you lean towards one end, the orchestral or the choral, or do you, do you kind of take from whatever you can? There is not so much difference for me, orchestra or choral. I think that, you know, it's all about singing and uh, it's all about a song. I mean, even the players who play instruments, violin, flute, trumpet, whatever, they somehow sing their song. song. So this instrument is just uh, just the voice as a singer or, or a choir singer has uh, like a real voice. So there is not so much a difference for me. So I, I, li- I like both. I think of your music very much as, as sound painting. And I'd like to ask you about the tears fantasy, which comes from John Dowland. And he was a English or Irish composer from the 1500s, created lute music, uh, which is cool that that connects to your canal that you're using for the Tassasse Malal. Can you kind of talk about that linkage or how your music brings to life this idea of sound painting, which was very much talked about and known as artists and musicians of the Renaissance? Well, I think we can talk about this kind of sensitivity of a sound. And sound can be a sound of a single instrument. It can be also a sound of a group of instrument. It can be a harmony. And as I already mentioned in in the beginning, this all creates a kind of colorful musical world. And uh, this is pretty cool. I, I always liked this and I always actually liked composers to whom this is um, important, starting from Debussy and, and Ravel, and uh, you, know, you mentioned Sibelius in a different way, Japanese composer Toro Takemitsu, and this is an endless story. But um, yeah, sound painting, this um, phrase also actually contains something which is not musical. I mean, painting, this is a poetic phrase you can... Uh, used uh, talking about music, but, uh, but it's not really connected to, to music. And actually, it's a good phrase because it explains this, that, um, for example, my music, it's, it's so much influenced about everything, actually, I, I like. I like poetry, I like nature. Here in Estonia, we have uh, such cool and interesting nature. Can you believe we have all four seasons so we have like a real winter now, it's still snow outside. Well, a bit less than in January, but it's, uh, it's cold. It's really freezing now. But in, in June or July, it can be extremely hot, almost as hot as in, in, in Mississippi. And uh, also, you know, movies, paintings, theater, this all influenced me. I'm, I'm inside of, of, of this everything and I'm, I'm always been curious about all these things. So it's not just music, but it's something more and you can call it, I don't know, culture or, or whatever. It's
it doesn't matter. You said that when an Estonian wants to be alone and have peace, he or she goes to the forest for a walk. I'd like to ask you about one of those elements that you were talking about, with the, which is the nature aspect for your hymns to the Nordic Lights. The Nordic Lights is probably something that you get to experience fairly frequently. It's the it's particles from the sun hitting the atmosphere and turning into colors depending on the amount of oxygen or nitrogen. And we can talk about that scientifically now, but for so many generations, our ancestors saw those as some kind of sign, as some kind of spiritual meaning to guide their lives or to give them messages. Can you talk about maybe what you incorporated into your hymns to the Nordic Lights in terms of our longtime connection or worship to or deference to Mother Nature? Yeah, so we do see the Northern Lights here in Estonia, but not so often as as in Finland, which is more far away in the, in the north, but yeah, we do see it. And uh, uh, well, actually, uh, on the cover of the album, which is called the same, the hymns to the Nordic Lights, there is a beautiful photo of uh, the Nordic Lights and also very old ruins of an uh, old um, lighthouse, uh, which is here in, uh, in Estonia on, on the northern coast in uh, Paldiski. It's a very special light. It's um, kind of greenish and uh, it doesn't st stand still, this light. It's, it's somehow it, it has a life inside. It's one of the most beautiful things I think you can see in the nature. So my piece is about this, uh, this picture in the nature, but it's, I don't know how to explain it. It's not just about creating in music, the Northern Lights, which is maybe too easy. It's about a human, a man or a woman who is watching this Northern Light. And it's about their eyes or the re reflection of the Northern Lights in their eyes. So I can't explain it better, but I hope uh, it helps.
You said that in music and probably in life, I would imagine things come to you when you're ready for it. How does music communicate with you? It communicates with me every day, I think, in a, in a different way. You just have to keep your eyes and your ears open and uh, you just have to serve music. So this is very important. I mean, music will not serve you. You are always a soldier in this, uh, in this, well, I don't want to say war because, you know, it, it's very actual now and, and the word is, is on, on fire. So uh, I've been thinking about this now every day. I'm talking about the things which are going on in, in Ukraine. But yes, um, serving music is, is very important. And, uh, and uh, yes, music will come to you when you are ready and uh, and uh, it's an amazing thing it can do very many good things when the world world is on fire like this does that influence your artistic endeavors does that move you to respond well i've been thinking about this every day and i see it around here in estonia too because we have uh, very many war refugees here from Ukraine and it's, well, the number maybe doesn't seem for you so big. It's 24, 25,000 people, but our population here in Estonia is 1.3 million. So we are talking about 2% of our population. So it's a, it's, it's a terrible thing that these poor people have been through and uh, that they had to left their homes and we have been trying to help them as, as much as we can. You seem to focus on on this idea of elegy, but in the sense of not necessarily the downtrodden aspects of the elegy, but more of the hopeful parts of it. And, and I wanted to ask you about elegies of Thule. Thule is what the Greeks and the Romans thought was the northernmost part of the world at that time. And I and you may know, you probably know more about this. It was supposedly an island of Estonia. So, so you have the elegies of Thule. Can you talk a little bit about connecting us with the past and, and sort of the historical and mythological implications that music can have, and, and in particular, the elegies of Thule? 
Yeah, this tool, our Ultima Tula, in the very old ages, in ancient times, it was considered as most far away north place on the earth. There are a couple of theories where it should be. One is that it's in, in Scotland, in the Shetland Islands, and um, also in Norway, far away in the north and in Greenland. And also one theory, which of course I like the most, is <laughs> that it's here in Estonia, in an island called Saaremaa. And actually, uh, there is a big um, hole in, in, the, in the brown, the size of a little lake. And uh, there was um, like 1,500 years of, uh, ago, uh, a star fell there, which made the hole and, and this little uh, lake. So it's considered that this thing left an enormous kind of influence and mark in, in the spirit of Estonians because they saw it they saw actually two suns together on in the uh, in the sky and can you imagine like well even we would be frightened but but the people in the old ages they probably you know for them it's like they never will forget it so there were two suns and uh, yeah I have a very many cycles which are somehow connected to this uh, story and um, I've called them like Tula elegies, which I have for th- strings or patterns of Tula, which I have a piece for, uh, for a string quartet or uh, uh, Tula songs for flute and piano and for trumpet and piano and so on. This is somehow, this subject has come into my music and I think it's, it's a very cool subject. I liked it very much. It's connected to, to, to this Nordic spirit here and it's something mystical too and you know it's it's about everything. I'd like to also ask about the Moreland elegies, uh, where you worked with Doris Kareva, uh, but it was also based on the work of Emily Bronte. Can you talk a little bit about this idea that you're going for kind of capturing the spirit of this poetry, obviously the loneliness, um, but also sort of the imaginatory dreamlike qualities that, that come up here? Yeah, that's true. I, I love her poetry very much. Emily Bronte, a poet who actually lived a very short life and she was not very happy in, in her life. And uh, the only thing she probably had 
in her life which which made her happy was her poetry, the books, the reading, and um, his poetry. First, it sounds so good. It's it's good to sing out these words, and uh, she's very brave, and she's very. How would I say it's? Uh, of course, it has other qualities too, like melancholy and, as you mentioned, uh, loneliness. It's it's in a somewhere very bluesy this poetry, but it also has this kind of chaotic darkness, if I can say so. So it's um, she's very interesting. I, I love her works very much. You have kind of firsthand experience with the blues and you you spent a lot of time in the South. Can you talk about maybe why the, the music of the blues and everything that came out of it over the past next hundred years has such universal appeal? Well, maybe it's not only the blues. If we look to Portuguese fado, or if we look to French uh, chanson, or Russian romance. Yeah, it's an endless story in, in music and American blues. This all has a quality which is very human. It's a, it has a desire, desire of something. And sometimes you don't even know what that, you know, it's like uh, in a blues song that I woke up this morning and, you know, I, I was sad. Why? Everything, you know, is fine, sun, sun is shining, but why it's so? So it's about this kind of word, you can, unexplainable desire. And it's everywhere, it's, it's inside of every human. So I think this is, well, yeah, it connects us. You talk about a, a deeper connection, bringing together kind of performers and, and composers and I just wanted to ask you, there was an instance where you got to enter the hall with the musicians of the Estonian Chamber Orchestra. And it's interesting because I thought about that. And when the orchestra players march out, the composer is usually not with them unless they're the conductor or something like that, which is rare these days. Can you maybe provide some suggestions or insight into how we can connect more our composers, not only with our musicians, but our composers with our audiences? Well, it's an interesting subject because, you know, sometimes a composer is just a very lonely composer and uh, 
in its interprets or players and singers just do what I've written down and just, you know, don't ask anything to what's in the score. <laughs> well, but I always thought that uh, the players and the singers, they are actually compose, composer's best friend. What would I do without them? It's like uh, Robinson Crusoe on a lonely island. I mean, <laughs> even he wanted to have his Friday. So <laughs> you are not alone in this music. Uh, I mean, you are alone when, when you compose it. And uh, sometimes it, it is hard, but you all together serve music and this is cool. Do you ever go back to older works and uh, either rewrite them or edit them or think you want to release a new copy or, or judge yourself as a, as a younger composer? <laughs> I don't like to look back. And, um, you know, it's what is done is done and let it be. Well, I do it when I find a mistake in old score, then I improve it. But sometimes, you know, mistake is, uh, as Leonard Cohen say, it's a, uh, crack where the light comes in <laughs> so i let it be with a mistake that's also cool well that's great well well thank you so much uh, tonu it's been really fun to speak with you i'm looking forward to getting a lot of your music out there and i really appreciate your your beautiful melodious uh style and uh looking forward to working with you in the future Thank you so much. It was a pleasure for me and hope to see you one day and talk to you in real life. Thank you for joining us on One Symphony and thanks to Tonu Korvitz for sharing his music and insights. Thank you to all the incredible performers and record labels that made this episode possible. Hymns to the Nordic Lights, Silent Songs, Tears Fantasy, and Elegies of Thule were performed by the Estonian National Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Riso Yust on the Andine label. Tasase Ma Lao was performed by Kadri Vorland, Tonu Kaljuste, and the Tallinn Chamber Orchestra on ECM Records and Deutsche Grammophon. Moreland Elegies was performed by Mariana Perna, the Estonian Philharmonic Chamber Choir, and the Tallinn Chamber Orchestra, conducted by Risto Yost. You can check out the music of Tonu Korvitz wherever you listen to your music and online at www.emic.ee slash tonu Korvitz. You can always find more info at onesymphony.org, including a virtual tip jar if you'd like to support the show. Thank you to John and Christina and Jacob and Owen for making this show possible. Please feel free to rate, review, or share the show. Until next time, thank you for being a part of the music. Music.